You're listening to the best morning routine ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the best morning routine ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lunid. And today, you know, I have the pleasure of introducing a very special guest to the show, Michael Levitt. You know, he is the founder and chief burnout officer at the Breakfast Leadership Network, a San Diego and Toronto-based burnout consulting firm. I am curious to hear about the consulting firm and how it works and what, how it actually helped the clients that it does. So, you know, he has been a keynote speaker, host of the Breakfast Leadership Show, and he is a certified NLP and CBT therapist. So I would love to hear about the connection between the two. So with no further ado, Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Tell me about um, your journey thus far. I, I imagine you started as a therapist and then transitioned into the Breakfast Leadership Network. So tell us about the path Actually, it was the opposite of that. No the, uh, the, the therapist stuff came much later, and I'll explain why in a moment. But Breakfast Leadership Network uh, was launched, quite frankly, from my own personal journey with burnout. I was a healthcare executive and burned out really bad and had a really rough year. And after recovering from all the things that had happened to me, I reinvented myself because burnout you know, took a toll on everything in my life. And I had a second chance and I decided to do something with it. So I I rebuilt my life. Now, most people that are burned out, I don't want them thinking, oh, I have to completely change my entire life. No, that's not the case at all. Most people that are burning out right now, if they make a couple adjustments in a couple key areas of their lives, it will make a big difference in, in how their life proceeds and, and, and how they manage stress and whatnot. So mm-hmm. after recovering from my burnout journey and and going back into the field of health for a few years, I started noticing a lot of my colleagues were doing the same thing that I did. They were burning out. They were stressed, overworking, yeah. and all of that. And it scared me. And I thought, okay, I need to do something about this. I need to take my experience and somehow share what happened to me so I can help them avoid their own you know, challenging lives and, and all of that. And, and as I started researching burnout, I uh, realized it was much bigger than a healthcare problem. It was uh, every sector under the sun mm-hmm. problem. Every industry is dealing with yeah. it. Everyone. You name it, I can cite countless stories and evidence of how burnout is impacting that industry. So from that, I thought, okay, I've got something here. So I decided, you know what, let me start writing about this. So I started writing some blogs and then decided this might be a consulting type opportunity. So launched a business and from there, yeah, I was guided to you know write about my burnout journey and start writing books about burnout and and leadership and business and whatnot and launch a podcast, which I did in 2017. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing that for going on almost six years. So interviewing amazing people across the globe, and that's how the Breakfast Leadership Network was birthed because in talking with a consultant friend of mine, you know, he said, you have a media company. And I looked at him like he had three heads. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, I, no, I don't. And he said, okay, what's a media company? And I said, okay, you've got written content, you've got audio, you've got video, you publishing and a show. 
So that's a media company. So Breakfast Leadership Network was born from that. And then in the consulting, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, consulting with Fortune 500 organizations and small organizations, whoever needs the help. And if I can help them, I can. So I consult their teams uh, and often their senior leadership on burnout prevention, some things that they can do to help improve the workplace culture in their organization so they can avoid the great resignation and quiet quitting and everything else that we're reading about right now. NLP and cognitive behavioral therapy come into play was when I was doing that consulting, And I was doing the one-on-one coaching with people. I was realizing, okay, I keep seeing a theme here where there was a lot of past trauma, a lot of self, negative self-talk, a lot of just behavioral situations that people found themselves in that was leading to their own personal burnout. So I thought, okay, Mm -hmm. let me let me start doing some work on this and you know, realize that, you know what, this might be a good way for me to, you know, study some different things. So I studied cognitive behavioral therapy first, and then was certified in that. And then uh, neuro-linguistic programming or NLP, um, yeah. that was that coupled with it, there's, there's some, those things kind of cross paths in a, in a few ways. So it was kind of a continuation of what I'd already learned. But what I found is a lot of people burn out because of the things that they tell themselves. They, oh, I have to do this. I'm required to do this. I need to work all these hours. I need to answer that email at 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday. They tell themselves they have to do that. Otherwise, I'm going to get in trouble. It goes back to their childhood. If I don't do this, I'm going to get in trouble from my parents or whoever is taking care of me. And sometimes that programming, that language that we tell ourselves carries through way into our adulthood. And I saw that time and time again with a lot of people saying, if I don't do this, I'm going to get in trouble. Okay. What does trouble look like? What would happen? Are they going to cut your head off? No. Okay. I'm just, you know, sometimes I throw in a little humor to just kind of add some levity to the situation. But what's the worst going to happen? I could lose my job. Hmm. We're in a market right now that there are people looking to hire people because there's not enough people to fill these jobs right now. This is actually a good time to go look for a job because there's plenty of opportunities out there. Not telling everybody to update their resume, but if you're in a toxic environment, you might want to think about it. So, that's where the organization was born from. It was, I don't want to say accidental, there was intention to it, but the paths that the organization has taken has been me just observing what the needs were and addressing them as they come along. Yeah, being innovative along the way as well. Um, it's interesting, yeah, because you did the CBT and NLP after because you saw the need. They started working with people and realized, oh, there are some trauma here. So there needs to be some type of rewiring of the mind or the brain, the subconscious mind, so that they can actually thrive and, and succeed in their role. And so I'm curious to, to find out what are some of the... Um, I guess it could be um, negative thoughts. I call them ants, right? Automatic negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. What are the leading, what's the leading, a couple of the leading causes to burnout? The causes that I see time and time again, uh, one is just overcommitment. They mm-hmm. don't have boundaries around when they work and when they don't. And even overcommitment to just your normal out of work lifestyle. Real quick personal story. This was before the pandemic. I was getting bass guitar lessons at a local music shop that unfortunately closed uh, during the pandemic. But I was in there getting lessons. It was on a, I think, Tuesday evening. 
and I was in the waiting area and there was a younger kid in there and his dad. His dad was on his phone. His yeah. dad was heavy set and was premature balding. Mine it was it's no longer <laughs> premature. It's just I just shave it off. You know, it's like ah, I'm done with it. I don't need it. The money I save on shampoo is amazing. But <laughs> and, but you know, this you know, the dad is there, but he's not. He's deep mm-hmm. into his work and all of the stuff. And the office manager is trying to schedule the son for drum lessons and piano lessons because he was getting both through this music shop. And they were going back and forth. And literally, I timed it. It was like a 12-minute conversation back and forth trying to schedule this kid to have these lessons. And, and it kept coming up, no, he can't do that because he's got soccer practice on Wednesday. No, that won't work because I'm out of town and my wife's taking my daughter to whatever recital or something like that. So it was back and forth literally for 12 minutes to trying to find time slots for these kids. And I'm, I'm hearing these kids' schedules. Every night, they were going somewhere to go do something. So dad, and it sounds like a little bit mom too, could work on whatever they were working on. And I'm thinking to myself, these kids don't have any downtime. And as adults, there's so many of us that don't have any downtime. As adults and as humans with this constantly connected smartphones, you can access anything everywhere, streaming, television, all that. We have forgotten how to be bored. We don't allow it. We don't allow ourselves to get bored. If you're standing you know, in an elevator and all of a sudden you know, other people get in the elevator, time and time again, you see people grabbing their phones, even though their cell phone may not even work in the elevator, the signal may not be there, <laughs> but there they are on it. We, we're, these devices are awesome, but man, we use them way too often and we don't just sit and be. We're just constantly overstimulating ourselves. And what happens is when we don't have that, then we're out of sync. We're like, oh, something's missing. Or we don't allow ourselves to rest, to relax, to unwind. We wait until we go to bed. We bring our phones into bed with us. So we're literally, hopefully, remembering to charge them before we fall asleep. Otherwise, tomorrow morning, we wake up and like, oh, no, our battery's at 22%. I'm going to have to charge it before I go. So. We're just constantly on the go and we don't have downtime. That's why you hear cases of so many people taking vacations and they're still working. Yeah. And or they're not taking their vacations. Although, you know, the airports are saying otherwise, you know, the airports are busy and losing luggage and all that other fun stuff yeah. that a lot of people have been dealing with. But at the end of the day, people need to take a break. So when you're not resting and you're not basically living your life at a more easygoing pace for you because everybody's different, then that's going to take a toll and it'll lead to burnout and it impacts your sleep, which is the other big sign of burnout is if you're not sleeping well, that's going to set you up for failure. And because when we don't get good sleep, our cognitive ability is impacted, our ability to have good communications, relationships, mm-hmm. our ability to work our ability to recognize situations or be on top or look for opportunities as a business owner, as an employee, you miss them because your body is too busy trying to repair all the damage that we do to ourselves. And if we're not getting rest, we're not repairing that damage. So today's efforts get piled onto tomorrow's, then the next day and the next week and the next month or maybe the next year. And actually, you know, you are burned out beyond belief. 
and you're going, how did this happen? <clears throat> you did it to yourself. Yeah. Accumulated over, over time. So it's depletion and then you reach a threat threshold. Yep. You reach a point where you just cannot take it anymore. You'll just burn out. And as you said, it's all due to overcommitment and no downtime and also just our phone attached to our hips, literally. Mm -hmm. um, tell us about how you use cognitive behavior therapy to help um, some of the clients. Well, it's it, a lot of it is just questioning and answering. And we use a technique for those that are in therapy or have done work in the mental health business. We know the phrase of chunking up and chunking down. Mm -hmm. And what that basically is, is you're asking questions. Okay, why did you do this? Because I felt it was important. Well, why did you feel this was important? Well, I'm trying to establish myself as a strong leader in this organization. Yeah. Why is that important to you? Because growing up, my parents told me that I needed to be a strong leader, you know, to represent the family name and all of that. Why is that important to you? Because I want my parents to be proud of me. Why do you want your parents to be proud of you? And it goes down this thing because usually what happens, society, and we see this day after mm -hmm. day, we get presented with information. We immediately make a judgment on that. We make a decision. And it could be completely wrong. You know, the headline could be mistaken. Not all the information was available. All of a sudden, we make a judgment, whether it's on a political situation or humanitarian situation or, okay, this person is, you know, was charged with this. We automatically go, oh, yeah, they did it. And then we find out months or years later, no, they actually didn't do it. Well, guess what? We made that decision instantly. Because as a society and social media has contributed to this, because we get bombarded with instant information at whenever we want it, we don't take the time to reflect and actually ask questions. We don't ask deeper questions. We ask mm -hmm. a question. They give us the answer. We go, okay, well, that's, that's what it is. You know, it's like, you know, what color is this water bottle? Well, some people could say, it's black, or depending on how the resolution is on your screen, it could be gray. Some people may say, okay, there's a red band on it. Okay. Or if they're colorblind, they're yelling at me saying that's such a rude question to ask. Yeah. Don't, uh, yeah. That's one of the things I always do too. With an exercise that I do, I tell people to color code their calendar. But if you're colorblind, then use symbols to color code or you know, keep track of your appointments and whatnot. Yeah. So that's, that's the big thing that I do with people is just, to understand one why their behaviors and their thoughts because it kind of blends with the NLP you know why they think that way why is that important because they were told it was important and it's like is that true for you I'm not asking them is it true in the grand scheme mm -hmm. of truth or not is that true for you why is that true for you why is it important for you to continue to seek approval from your parents and in many cases, you know, one or both of their parents may be gone. They may not be around anymore. And you're like, you're still trying to prove a point to them. They're not here. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what's important to you? Why is it important to you? And, and, and change kind of the directive and, and the behaviors and the actions. Like, okay, well, instead of saying, yes, I'm going to do this all the time. It's like, whatever you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I like to say I, I share this publicly, and I think every and I strongly advocate for this. Everybody should have a therapist. I have one. 
And my therapist said to me yesterday, she actually quoted me on something that I've said. She said, no is a complete sentence. I'm like, you've been listening to my content. It's like, it's like that's actually pretty funny. But at the end of the day, it's no is a complete sentence. And you don't have to justify why you say no on something. You have to you know, be strong in your boundaries and firm in yourself. And I think that's where the self-confidence comes in, too. You see a lot of people, even senior executives, you know, high-ranking executives that make way more money than most people make, you know, their self-confidence is so low. Mm-hmm. Like, how in the world did you get here with that uncomfortableness with yourself? And you find out why when you're when you dig in and you go, okay, well, let's let's change the channel on this. Mm-hmm. Let's let's focus on how you've been successful in life. You didn't just get appointed to be the CEO of this company because they picked a name out of a hat and they said, okay, it's your turn. No, it's like you're the, here for a reason. Yeah. And and rebuilding their their self-belief and their ability to, you know, navigate through challenging situations. I tell people, and again, I have to frame this because some people can't, but it's like we didn't show up with the ability to walk and talk. That took time. That took effort. We learned mm-hmm. how to do that. We learned different skills. It's the same thing with you know navigating challenging situations. You learn how to navigate through them or around them without it taking a toll on you. And I think that's something that a lot of people, unfortunately, they don't do or they don't think about. And it it creates a lot of havoc for them. Yeah, and don't know how to um, specifically do it. And and I like your questioning um, process because you want to take it a a step further and say, why is that important to you now? Mm-hmm. You're definitely at a different season in your life, a different age and different milestones. But you're right. When that programming is so deep rooted, it gets challenging to actually differentiate. Oh, very much so. I, I worked with an individual and it went back to their childhood when they wanted to basically be a Olympic type swimmer. And they lived in an area where there was Olympic pools. There was trainers that had worked with Olympians in the past. It Literally, it was right there. They could have probably walked from where they lived to where this event was, but their parents were, no, you're going to learn how to play piano. Mm-hmm. And we, we hear stories of that all the time where the parents said, no, you're going to do this. this. We want you to do this. And Sometimes that carries through and they think, I don't have permission to do this thing that I want to do. Yeah. Why not? Because that programming from when they were raised stuck through and they carried through. It's like, no, you can do whatever the heck you want. You're the CEO of your life. You get to do it. Now, obviously, there's cause and effect and training, uh, training <laughs> and, and financial situations and logistics, location. There's a lot of factors involved. Those are all details. That That's just ingredients. Okay. And okay, you don't have that. How do you get it? What do you need to do to get to that stage? Yeah. How did I launch a business? What did I need to do? Website. Okay. How do I build a website or who should I hire to build one podcast? What do I need to do a podcast? Who do you know? What do I do? Where do I host? There's you know these questions. Yeah. And, and I don't want to say there's no excuse anymore for not being able to find out things because with the, our smart devices and laptops and computers, you can pretty much find out how to do anything. There's YouTube, there's training, there's no shortage of information. 
it's the internal dialogue that prevents us. We think, oh, no, we can't do that. Well, you're right. You can't because you're telling yourself you can't. Why don't you try telling yourself you can? Yeah. Whether you think you can or cannot, you're all right. Absolutely. Yeah, very, very powerful quote. Tell us about your book, Burnout Proof. How can the executives you work with, the entrepreneurs that that are listening, can become burnout proof? The key thing is just understanding what burnout is, what the signs are. Look at your life and how you spend your time, how you take care of yourself, both mentally and physically, and make the necessary adjustments. There everyone wants a quick fix and you can if you're burned out you can actually recover from burnout quicker than you think the deeper work is figuring out why you burned out what were the ingredients that led to it and making those adjustments and that's where it can take some time you know the work that i do is you know showing people what you know what their life looks like getting them you know a crystal clear picture from their point of view of what their life currently looks like and figure out what aspects of life they like, which ones they'd like to make adjustments to and help them come up with a plan to start you know, rolling out those adjustments. You notice I don't try to use the word change because that is a very dirty word for some people and they think I can't change, which is true. They can't because they just told themselves that they can't. Mm. So I use adjustments and they think, okay, because it's like anything. And I used to work in IT for a long time. And if we're going to make changes to our network system or whatever, you make sure that you're not changing a bunch of things at once. So when it breaks and it will you break, know. Mm-hmm. you know what broke. If you try to change a bunch of things at once, you won't know. And all that does is just extend the time for you to be able to figure it out. Meanwhile, there's downtime. Meanwhile, your customers or your internal people are upset at you because they can't work because you decided to change a bunch of things at once and didn't really test it. Uh, so it's it's like anything. You just make little adjustments. For me, the work that I do is like, here's the seeds. Let's plant them. Okay, let's harvest them. Let's do all the things you need to do to have the seed sprout and grow into what you want it to grow into. And it takes time, but it's a good investment in you. And and I ask him, it's like, do you want to stay burned out or do you want to live a life that is free from burnout? So burnout proof talks about that, talks about what the signs are, what are some things that you can do to you know, make some adjustments here and there to improve your life, to make it better? It's intentionally um, designed as a quick kind of go-to action book. Uh, it's not a 500-page manual or definition of things like that. I want people to take it, find a couple things that they think that they can do to implement, uh, to make mm-hmm. some adjustments, and go yeah. to it. And that was the intention of it because I wanted it to be a quick read because when people are burned out, they don't have time to do anything else. So picking up a 400 page book, they're not going to read it. They won't. Tell me, um, because I wear morning routines over here and your name is, is intriguing. So how did the name breakfast leadership come about? Came to me in the shower. Most good ideas come to you in the shower or in that sitting down on that one device that often is in bathrooms. (laughs) Um, So this one came to me in the shower because I knew that I was going to be launching a business around this burnout work. Um, This was even before the podcast. This was before the books. This was before everything. So thinking, all right, what do we want to call it? And I knew it was going to have a leadership 
slant to it because you know originally when I started doing the work, I was working with senior leadership, and of course I work with all kinds of organizations and teams now. But specifically, it was just on the senior leadership for a while, and I'm like, all right, and then understanding because I was a senior leader at the time myself, you know, it's like when are these people available? Typically, you get them first thing in the morning. If you can get them before they start their workday, you have a chance to get their attention. If you book an 11 a.m. appointment, it's going to get canceled or removed. Or, yeah, they may meet with you, but their brain is on the 16 things they were presented at uh, 8.30 when they rolled into the office. So it's like, okay, let's get them early. It's like, okay. And the breakfast component came to it because they're like, all right, I love breakfast. That's my favorite meal. I'm an early riser. So it's like breakfast leadership. And I'm like, I like it. So <laughs> that's that's what I did. Incorporated it, trademark, all that good stuff. Uh, and it's just something that it resonates with me really well. But really fun side story. I had a food intolerance test done last year to test me on over 250 types of foods because I have some food intolerance issues and a couple of food allergies. So ironically, I found out that I have an intolerance to eggs and my logo is an egg. So I find mm. it funny that I'm allergic to my company logo, but that's, mm. you know, that's, that's the story. I'm not changing the logo at this point, but uh, I just found that kind of ironic in a way. But uh, that's how the name came about is just, you know, with some planning and tension and came to me with clarity in the shower. Yeah, best ideas do come from the show. I think that's how my name came out too. Best morning routine ever. There so on that topic, let's talk about your best morning routine ever. How do you get up, dress up, and show up as an early riser? Yeah, for me, it's consistency. I'm a big systems person. I, I, you know, before I worked in IT, my original career was public accounting, so you had to be organized in timesheets and keep track of your time and all that. So I've always been organized and knowing where things were, you know, being you know, a structure to my life and all of that. So that's what I do. You know, my morning routine is consistent. I get up, my wife will take out our dog. The dog will be fed in the morning. When I'm out of town, the dog's not happy when he comes into the door because the food's not there <laughs> and he's not pleased. And he gives everybody a lot of attitude around that. So, so I do that unload the dishwasher. is probably too much information, but it's a consistent routine. I don't even have to think about it. I can be one eye open and do this if I need to. Feed the dog, unload the dishwasher, prepare breakfast, get cleaned up, grab a cup of coffee, sit down at my computer, take a perusal as to any inquiries or things that come in because you know, I work with people all around the globe. You know, I could get a message at two or three o'clock in the yeah. morning. I'm not going to answer it because I'm not going to see it at that time of day. But you know, usually by six a.m., you know, I'm I'm in front of the computer and, and taking a look to see what's going on, grabbing some headlines from the news feeds that I get, and you know, finish my coffee and you know, look at my calendar for the rest of the day and see if there's anything that needs to be adjusted or moved around, and go for. Um, yeah. A nice, nice walk. I usually do a, a you know four or five k a day, and you know walk around and you know get some activity and exercise in, and then you know proceed with the day, and you know try to wrap up the day, you know early to mid afternoon, and you know prepare dinner, eat dinner, call my mom. So everybody's got an insight. To, what do I do? There, there it is. Wash, rinse, repeat. But for me. Having a routine, and some people may find that completely boring. For me, I don't have to think about it. That's why you know, yeah. Steve Jobs wore the same types of clothes. Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook, same t-shirt, 
you standardize on all that. You don't have to think. Now, some people are really creative with their fancy socks or t-shirts or wardrobe. Awesome. If that's you, do it. For me, no, it's not. It's like, I don't have to think. I know I'm going to grab this t-shirt. It's not the same one. I've got a bunch of them. Same clothes. You know, it just, it just makes it, I don't have to think. It alleviates decision fatigue. Exactly. And we get thrown up with so many decisions that we have to make as leaders or just, you know, everyday life, you know, what are we having for dinner? What should we do? What about this? How do we navigate this? What about this issue at work or this problem? There's so many things that are thrown at us. If there's some things that we can standardize that doesn't upset us, that make us, you know, angry or upset, like these socks are so boring. Well, then get, you know, wear mismatched socks. That's allowed. It's you dress however you want. You know, be creative. Whatever. I don't judge. I, I let people wear whatever they like. You know, I see so- you know fancy socks all the time. And go, those are cool. I won't get them because I won't wear them because they standardize on on the socks that I wear. So I don't. And again, any area that I can simplify to take my brain out of it. Yeah. So I just and that goes down with ingredients, making sure you have all the foods you want to prepare for the week. Preparation. Again, a lot of people go, Oh, that's so boring. And you know, some people aren't quote unquote wired to do that. They can be if they want to, but if that's not important to them and it causes them more stress to even think about trying to do that, then don't. Yeah. Go with what works for you. And I think that's ultimately what I work with people on. It's like, let's find out what works with you. Let's find out what we can standardize. Let's see if we can streamline some things so you don't have to use all of your brain power on that, which is not moving the needle forward in your business yeah. or your life or anything like that. Delegate it, stop doing it, whatever makes sense. And that way... When you are working on something that is meaningful, you're, you're fully you be, there. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, energy will get depleted, and then you want to automate as much as possible. Automate Absolutely. your life, not just systems, not just the organization, but like automate as much as you can, so that you wake up and you have a specific audio you listen to. You're feeding your brain. You turn that on. Your mind knows. All right, we're ready to mm-hmm. start the day. We're ready to get kick things off. And so automation is very key. And that's why habits are so important because they're there to help us solve a problem, good or bad. Habits are designed to solve problems for us. And so you can't just say, as you say, change, you change, you you don't use the word change, adjust. You got to replace a habit. You can't just change it. You can't just break it. You got to replace it because it's designed there already to protect you, especially Mm -hmm. from those old traumas, right? That's what you're experiencing now. Yeah, those, 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 the way you are, the way your design is, your brain has, has put in place habits to protect you so that you don't feel that way you did as, as a child anymore. So you've been running away from it Absolutely. for a very long, long time. So very refreshing to hear. And I love the way you put burnout and using therapy to actually get to the deep root cause of it. So that's really, really innovative. Thank you for coming. Please tell us how can we connect with you? Where can we find you? Yeah, best place to find me is at breakfastleadership.com. I'm also on most of the social media channels. LinkedIn is usually where I'm most active. So uh, there should be links on that, or you can just look up breakfast leadership uh, or hashtag breakfast leadership. It should drive you to wherever you want to find me. Awesome. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. All right, morning enthusiasts, that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. 
be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.